Thank Him for His grace, His mercy that endures forever. Oh, hallelujah. He is so good, so righteous. Aren't you thankful that He rescued us? Amen. If you have your Bibles, we'll go to Romans but chapter 8. I want to start in Romans. Once again, it's good to see you tonight. Glad you are here. Thank you for coming. And uh, us fellowshipping around the Word, the worship, and praise. And uh, just know the word. We're going to go a little deeper what Paul was getting into in Romans chapter 3. But we're going to start off at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. So now, thanks to the cross of Jesus, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. How many belong to Jesus Christ? And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, life-giving spirit has freed you. From the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses, we studied that last week. The law was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, and he speaks about the the peace of God. Verse 9 goes on to say, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. How many have the Spirit of God living in you? Amen. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you so that even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Look Look at verse 12. It says, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No obligation. I'm not obligated. I'm not under its control. Verse 13. For if you live by his dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit. Can you imagine that? God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And if we share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So praise God, we are children of the Most High God. Amen. One of the things uh, I shared with you last week that what he was getting to in the latter part of Romans chapter 3 was that salvation is not built on men's achievements. I am not... Somebody who has written 50 books is no more important in God's eyes than someone who's never written a book. Someone who's given a million dollars to the poor is not any higher in God's eyes than those who have given 10, which was their best. It's not upon personal achievement. It's, I'm not going to do anything to impress God. I, just what he taught us out of the word God. It's about obeying and it's loving him and it's doing what he's told us to do. And we're going to learn that through this. Now, a lot of people want to put things on the basis of the law. He said, the law was to bring you to Christ, and Christ is to bring you to God. And that's what grants us freedom in Jesus. Now, men who stand before God and other men declare, many times we can declare because of our works, I'm more acceptable than others. That's a lie. I'm more deserving than others. That's a lie. 
I have achieved more than others. That's not true. I'm more sufficient than others. That is not true. I am more adequate than others. That is not true. Religion goes and salvation goes beyond me. It's all about Jesus. God created you. God rescued you. God saved you. God forgave you. So Paul says, if I'm going to boast in anything, it's not my heritage. It's not my works. It's not my accomplishments. It's not who I am. It's not how important I am. It's not my titles. It's not everything that I have achieved. There is nothing I can boast in except he created me, he rescued me, and he saved me through his saving blood. Because the rabbis and the religious people, as we're going to look at chapter 4, verse 1, 2, and 3, they would boast in things that had no basis of nothing before God. What's important to God is that we trust and we obey, for there's no other way. Amen. So we see here that uh, when we do the works, usually works is to focus on oneself. Look what I'm doing. Have you heard what I've done? Works many times is to exalt self. It causes men to center the world around themselves and to look upon themselves and the power it creates and it sustains their word and it, world and it gives them purpose and meaning and significance. And the law enhances that where grace and humility says it's all about the one who saved me by his grace. If I'm going to boast and if I'm going to brag about anything, I'm going to brag about Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 12, 16, mine, Mind not high things, but consent to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. James 4.16 says, But now you rejoice in your boastings, but all such rejoicing is evil. If I'm boasting in anything but Jesus, it's considered evil. Because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, knowest not thou that thou art wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Revelation 3.17. Psalms 10.3 says, The wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blessed, blessed the covetous, but God abhorreth it. Then Psalms 49, 6 and 7 says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give God a ransom for him. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Proverbs 25, 14 says, Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. And uh, Isaiah 15, 5 verse 21 says one to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight so what we're going to see tonight that we're getting into with Paul bringing up over Abraham to the rabbis and the Jews and their heritage he's going to question some things and bring their their thoughts and tonight I believe we're going to have some areas of our life that are going to come out for us to think about and, and see that uh, what are we centered in and it's not about what we do but how it, you know what Christianity is all about it's about how close we grow to Jesus how much we can act and be like him. And how much we can love like him. And so we're going to see some things about faith excludes the law. We can't boast in anything. We just believe. Because he created us. Let me read some scriptures to you. 1 Corinthians 1.31 says that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in who? Glory in the Lord. Amen. Glory in the Lord. 
Um, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? Which are God's. I, I can't glorify nothing but the one who bought me. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.12, That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms 44.8 says, in God we boast all the day long. In who? In God we boast all the day long. And praise thy name forever. And uh, then Isaiah 45, 25 says, In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. And I love the scripture in Jeremiah 9, 24. But him that glorieth, glory in this. If you're going to glory and boast in something, glory in this. That you understand and you know me. And that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth for all these things I delight in says the Lord so the Lord is saying it's not about how much you do for me or, or how much you think you can impress me it's about that you know me and how many of you know what we're, we're here on Wednesday nights because we want to press in and know God more and, and so he was he was working on some of the things they believed in Abraham uh, here's a scripture in Acts 13 39 and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. They were saying that you, can, you have to do the law. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law. You're justified with the peace of God. Talked about the law was a schoolmaster. And I shared last week to bring us to Jesus. Uh, I shared with you also that there is one God. It's not about the God of the Gentiles, the God of the Jews. But there is one God. God is only one God. Uh, I love these scriptures. Uh, in 1 Timothy 2.5, there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And then Peter said in Acts 10.34, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Shout amen. God is no respecter of persons. He's not only not a respecter of the Jew and the Gentile. I mean, if we had a bad background, if you're here tonight and you've lived a bad life or you've been out in the world, he loves you just as much as he loves me because Jesus paid the price for you. Acts 15.9, And God put no difference between us and them. There's no difference purifying their hearts. How? By faith. And then in Romans 2.11, it says, For there is no respect of persons with God. In Romans 10, 12, and 13, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is over, the rich, is over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. The law brings us to Christ, that we admit that we broke the law. We need him to forgive us. We need him to uh, love us and to accept us through his mercy and grace. Then we established through Christ that we do those things which please him and we live for him. Uh, we, that, that causes when we realize that w what God desires is worshipers in spirit and in truth. And what, what this is all saying, just to bring it to a nutshell, because I want to get to chapter 4, verse 1. But what, God is, what Jesus is expressing about serving him and loving him in spirit and truth is that what moves me... To be a greeter, what moves me to be a minister, what moves me in worship. It's not the atmosphere. It's not how good the music may be. It's not how much people recognize me. It's not the honor I may get through it. It's not the recognition that I may get it. Get what brings eternal fruit and what brings growth is everything I do is not to be seen or honored in the eyes of man, but it's to do because he gave me so much by giving the life of his son. So now it provokes me to love him and to serve him out of love, not out of duty. I don't come to church out of duty. I come out of church out of love. That kicks religion right there. I don't come to church out of duty. I don't, I don't come to church and say, well, you know, um, I'm all right with God now. You know, I came to church. It's Christmas. It's Easter. 
I don't serve Jesus out of duty. We sung that song, I saw the Lord. His glory filled the temple. I saw the price, the passion of the Christ, what he did for me. All that he took for me. Paul is trying to tell the Hebrews this. You're claiming your heritage. You're claiming that because you're a son of Abraham, you got all this and you got all that. You're all this and you're all that. Nobody is nothing. You may be of the lineage of David. You may, be of the, you may be, call yourself the lineage of Abraham, but Jesus is going to come right behind and say, look, if you think seeing sons of Abraham is something, I'll take these stones. And we're going to see what he means by that in a minute. But he's going, don't do things for God out of duty and law and obligation. Even Jesus says, do everything out of a grateful heart. God loves a cheerful giver. Man, what an opportunity. I'm coming to be a greeter tonight. I'm coming to work with these children. I'm coming to work with the youth, whatever. You may be in the nursery, and instead of, oh, my name's on the list. i got to work with the kids tonight. Nothing's a duty. It's all well-pleasing unto the Lord. Amen. Oh, i gotta, I got to read my devotion. i got to say my prayers. God says, oh, no, you don't have to. If you're going to do it with that type of attitude, then it's not acceptable in my sight. You ought to be motivated by love. And God has done enough to motivate us to serve him. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge. If one died for all, then we were all dead. And that he died for all, they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him that died for them and rose again. Galatians 2, 20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here in 1 John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So if it's not out of a duty or obligation. It's about serving Jesus. Now I want to go to Romans chapter 4 and we want to look at the study tonight. Romans chapter 4 verse 1. Because the reason I backtracked a little bit is because Paul... It's going to be interesting tonight. Paul goes right back into Abraham. He doesn't stop with Abraham because you're going to see here, and I'm going to give you an example that you're going to understand what Paul's doing here. But I want you to see that what Paul's doing here is that he's going, he's like opening up a lab and he says, I'm going to take your theology, I'm going to take your doctrine, I'm going to take what you believe, and we're going to dissect it and we're going to lay it all out. And because you love what you believe to be right more than you love God. He's telling the Jews, and he tells Christians today, you will fight for what you believe as far as doctrine and what, what you believe to be true. You will fight for that more than you will fight for loving God. You'll stand up for the doctrine of a church before you'll stand up for the righteousness of Christ and that's where that religious spirit comes in that's where we start fighting he says I want to lay this out on the table and I want you I want to teach you about what it means to be a child of Abraham and I want to prove that Abraham was not a type of the Jewish people what Abraham really was and we're going to see this tonight Abraham was a figure of real Christianity he wasn't saved because of the law. 
He was saved because of faith. And that is real Christianity. Abraham was, it was given, he was counted righteous because he believed, not because he did the law. And I want you to see here in Romans 4, and I shared with you last week, the law didn't even exist yet. In Romans chapter 4, verse 1, it says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he, was, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. And we'll get into that later, later on. But I want to read to you some things here about Abraham. And I want you to get the mindset of what the Hebrews believed. And, and it's something to think about. They believe, and, and Paul's being bold, and I'm going to show you an example to bring it home in a minute. But he's challenging the rabbis, he's challenging the Jewish belief that Abraham was counted righteous not because of his works, but because of his faith. They believed it was because of his works. And this is what the Hebrews believe. They believe that you cannot not overestimate Abraham's importance to Judaism. He was a hero who worshipped the one true God in the midst of adulterous, idolatrous people. Abraham's legacy has been polished into something huge, a miracle and a legend Nearly for two millenniums since his death, he had been elevated to divine status. Now, now listen to what I'm getting ready to do here. Abraham, the reason Paul says our father Abraham is because to the Jewish mentality, Abraham was elevated to divine status. He gave, he actually, his grave in Hebron was honored as a holy place. He was believed to have obeyed perfectly God's commandments before they were given. And they believed that he was the embodiment of Psalms chapter 1. The rabbis spoke of God's having ordained the law before the foundation of the world just for Abraham's sake. That wasn't true, but they believed that. And along with Isaac and Jacob, he was regarded as the one who has not sinned against God. They believed that Abraham was sinless. That's why he was the chosen one. Listen what they wrote. This has been written for ages. Abraham, the father of a multitude of nations, suffereth no blemish to his honor and had no equal in glory. Observed the commandments of the Most High God and entered into covenant with him. God was near to him in his flesh and faithful to him in his temptations. Therefore, God swore an oath with him that in his offering he would bless the offspring, he would bless the nations, and that their possessions would be stretched from sea to sea, from the river Arabtes to the end of the earth. And so Abraham was called the friend of God. Now listen to this. According to them, they believe that Abraham was called the friend of God because he was the helper of their salvation. Now let me bring this to Louisiana terms. My family, are, on my mama's side, were all descendants of the Catholics. They were Catholic. I was baptized Catholic when I was a baby just because my mama's family was Catholic. I want you to picture what they believe about Abraham is what the Catholic Church believes about the Virgin Mary. They believe that the Virgin Mary was without sin, and that's why she was chosen to give birth to the Messiah. And the way the Catholics uphold Mary is the way the Jewish people upheld Abraham. And so can you imagine that if I would go before uh, the Pope and I would say you're Popish you can pray all you want to 
in the name of Mary, believing that Mary, mother of God, full of grace and mercy. If you, you go to Mary and you can pray to Mary all you want to about Mary going before God on your behalf. But all your prayer is in vain. Because Mary was a sinner and Mary had to be saved because there was only one righteous person that ever lived. And it was Jesus Christ. So if you, Paul getting before the rabbis is like if we would get before the Catholics and say, you know that rosary you pray? You're wasting your time. Because nothing made by man has any power. It's not of the flesh, it's of the spirit. And the Bible says that when you pray, ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. Now, I, I've, I've gotten attacked many times because when you preach down in, in a Catholic society, you're not only telling them what they did was wrong, you're telling them what their mama and their daddy and their grandparents did was wrong. And when you start saying, if you, if you believe Mary or a priest can light a candle and get you out of purgatory, and you tell them there is no purgatory, and lighting candles is just for the atmosphere, it will not get you out of nothing. You can pay the priest for the rest of your life, and that priest cannot pray you out of purgatory. When you die, you're either present with God or you're in hell. Well, you're not only attacking them, you're attacking all their family. And so they get in your face and they go, well, you're saying my mama's in hell. No, I'm not the judge if your mama or your grandmother's in hell. Well, my mother prayed to Mary. I'm not saying because she prayed to Mary she's going to hell. But I am saying one thing. The Bible says that you can only pray in the name of Jesus for the Father to hear you. No other name given among men. You can pray to St. Jude. You can, say, you can pray to Mary. You can pray to St. Augustine. You can pray to all the saints. And you can have 14 different rosaries. And you can have all the statues. And you can have holy water from the Pope. And none of that will do you any good. They get upset. You can have Mary in your front yard. Because i got family down south Louisiana that do. You can have Mary in your front yard. And it, all you got is a piece of rock. It's religious tradition that's vain and has no power. In third world countries, we dealt with deep Catholicism. Where for three miles, they'll get on their knees and they'll walk on their knees and they bleed and they leave their skin on the sidewalk and just to be able to kiss the statue of Mary or one of the saints. And when we lived in Argentina, they would walk three days to a place called the, uh, 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 the uh, uh, Virgin of Guadalupe. And they would go and they would worship and they would kiss her and, and they would rub her. And they would let their kids kiss the, 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 uh, the glass that the saint was in because it appeared into a little shepherd keeping sheep in the woods uh, up in the mountains. So they had to build a shrine there to this one. And they all were these appearances and all these different things. And everything was a holy place. This was a holy place. This grave of this was a holy place. And they would make it an honorable place and that's what they had did to Abraham and so when Jesus would come and say you know what in fact I want to read that to you look with me in Matthew uh, chapter 3 look what Jesus said here Matthew chapter 3 it was tearing them up Matthew chapter 3 verse 9 it says and do not think to your and and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Or in other words, 
Don't count on your inheritance and your legacy of doing anything for you. Because the truth is, is not that you are sons of Abraham. Those who believe by faith are sons of Abraham. Amen. So when Martin Luther nailed up his 93 theses and he said, and he, one of the, uh, a lot of, in, about number 22 to over 30, he said, if you think the chang chang of the money falling into the offering will get the priest to pray your family out of purgatory, you are definitely wrong because when the chang chang stops, your family is still in hell. And he nailed these 98 theses to the wall of all the things. He says, redemption and salvation is only in the name of Jesus. And like Paul, he stood up and he confronted the doctrine. He confronted the ways of men. He confronted the mindsets of men. And he says, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've been taught, if it's not the truth from the word of God, it is just men's words. It's empty and it has no life and it cannot save you. And those are fighting words. Go down to Lafayette and New Iberia and, and, and go down there and start preaching. When I was in fifth grade, I got beat up every month because I didn't go to catechism because I wasn't Catholic. I had them hold me down and throw basketballs at me. Now, God's witness. I used to go home crying and messed up because they would throw basketballs at me, holding me down because I was the only Protestant in Laurelville, Louisiana, going to school. And they said, you... And they would call me names and they say, because a priest is not, they couldn't understand the difference between a Protestant pastor and a Catholic priest. And so in their mind, my dad was a priest who had a son and that's a sin. So they had a right to beat me up. So I got beat up all the time till the principal called me and says, son, you need to start fighting back. Now, when the principal calls a kid in the office and says, you need to start fighting back, you know it was getting bad. And he had three teachers in there, and, he, and they all told me, it's time for you to start fighting back. You will not get expelled, and you will not get in trouble. Well, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, <laughs> it's time to start kicking some, never mind. I had enough of this, and I had permission. But this is what they were doing right here. They were saying, Paul was saying, you believe Abraham is enough for you to be justified and righteous? You're no important in these stones. What you're claiming, God can do with these stones. Don't let religious tradition hold you down. Because what he's saying is, you love what you believe more than you love the truth. And when you love something so much, you'd be willing to fight for it. And it's like so many churches get in a fight. You know why? And I've had it told me, Brother Russell. When are we going to have a steeple like all the other churches? Because you know, we are not a real church till we have a steeple. So, we need a steeple so that we could be a real church. So then maybe people can really start getting saved. Oh, Brother Russell, we need to spend money on a steeple. No, we need to spend money on fancy lights and internet. To reach the multitudes, because all a steeple attracts is lightning. <laughs> a steeple doesn't make a church. The way you dress doesn't make a church, but they'll fight you over what you dress. We need to sing hymns in church because you're not a church if you don't sing hymns. 
we've been singing hymns since the, before the Civil War. You need to sing hymns. We sing these choruses. That's not the same. We're not having church. The Bible says if we're gathered in the name of Jesus, I'll be there. Yeah, but if we don't sing hymns, we're not a real church. So we need the hymns. We need the suits. We need, Jake and them need robes. And we need a steeple. And oh my God, they're really upset right now because we don't have a baptistry. We have a portable baptistry that we bring in here. We're not a real church. I think we need to put a baptistry, permanent baptistry. That, that one we bring in here and carry back out, that's not right. It does the job. All the Bible says is to dunk them. Yeah, but we need to look like the other churches. No, we need to look like Jesus. I'm going to fight you. Paul said, I'm going to fight you of what men make church out to be to what God re requires of us. To love mercy, to love kindness, and to do justly. That's what that Lord requires of us. That's something to think about, huh? It says, when they appealed to Abraham, their forefather, they identified to be sure and righteous because they believed that the fame and the honor that was given him was given to them. And that's how a lot of people feel in Mary worship and all this other stuff. They believe that if they worship Mary, then Mary's going to hear their prayer and she's going to go to Jesus and then Jesus is going to go to the Father because they can't go straight to the Father because they feel unworthy. And they can't go to the Father to confess their sins. they got to go to a priest and a priest will tell them to go pray to Mary and they'll go pray straight to Jesus but there's only one mediator there's only one mediator between God and man and that name is Jesus Christ amen so you see I, I, I'm not if you got a Catholic background or you got family or Catholic you know I'm not attacking the Catholic church I'm just using it as an example that rituals they'll fight for that and they'll argue over that but what does the word of God say? There's only one name. There's only one way. And that's Christ Jesus. People in South America used to ask me, you're a cult. They come right up to me and wife, you're in a cult. I say, well, why? Because you don't pray to Mary. And I'll ask them the same question. I say, okay, I got one question for you. Who died for you, Mary or Jesus? I say, well, Jesus did. I said, well, that's who I pray to. Mary was a great woman. She gave birth to my Savior, but she needed to turn around and accept his blood just like everybody else because only Jesus was sinless. Well, they believed because they were descendants of Abraham, they didn't have to call upon the name of Jesus. In fact, they'd rather crucify Christ than accept the truth. Why? Because he didn't line up with what they were taught from their forefathers and believed. If it doesn't line up with what I believe, then it can't be true. What does the word of God say about that? Amen? So what happens is that when they start giving credit to man, they can start giving credit to themselves, and they can start boasting about their accomplishments. But there's only one accomplishment to, to boast in, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? The righteousness was not Abraham's due by God's... This is what Paul was saying. God gets all the credit... God chose Abraham. God determined to send his son. It was nothing that Abraham did. All Abraham did was able to believe. And because he believed, it was counted righteous. And when we believe, we are doing the works of Abraham. Amen. So we see here that it's not performance. Let me get to this point and I'll end. It's simple. Look, this, this is what it is. 
This is what? Simple, childlike faith that takes God at his word, believes that he still loves me, and that he is doing, and he will do even what I feel like I don't deserve, he still will do it. The Jews had a spirit of religion that was contradiction of all that was taught and believed, but Paul was saying, this is not a new doctrine, there was, this is as old as faith. God laid the foundation for Abraham to just believe so that we could, by believing, become sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? The rabbis loved the law of religion. They were so in love with what they believed, with their theories and with their doctrines. They insisted that it was the only way, and that's the way it had to be. Salvation always comes at a price, the death not only to Jesus, but a death to our own selves. So we see here, listen, listen to this. We are blessed, and there's no condemnation. There's no self-torture after losing a battle. Because when I have faith in God and I'm believing in the grace and the mercy of God, if I mess up, I don't have to condemn myself and I don't have to torture myself that I messed up because there's nothing I can do to be perfect anyway. It's in the perfection of what he, who he is and that he was the perfect sacrifice. I don't have to do a whole bunch of rituals and I don't have to do a lot of Hail Marys and I don't have to do a lot of work to please God. God is already pleased with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So I don't torture myself that I might have made a mistake or that I messed up. I praise God that all the glory goes to him. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be forgiven. Amen? Trust and obey. I, I love the old song. I brought my old Baptist hymn book back to my roots. And I love, it says, Then in fellowship sweet we set his feet. Or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do. Where he sins we will go. Never fear. Only trust and obey. Where he says to go. And what he says to do. We will obey. That's salvation. That's the faith of Father Abraham. He says, are you willing to uproot yourself from this idolatrous? Are you willing to leave your job? Are you willing to leave your friends? Are you willing to leave your family? Are you just willing to lay yourself on the altar and be a living sacrifice and do what I say? Then that shows me you love me and that shows me your faith. Works is a losing battle to earn God's love. You'll never earn God's love through, through works and, and trying to do all the different things right. It's by my heart is bound by an oath to show him that I love him. Amen. So we see here that it's about serving God. I wrote here, I'm not in the ministry for 29, 30 years now because of a place of honor, but it's a place of honoring my king. What we do, who we are, the things we do, it's not about a place of honor, but we do things because we want to honor him. We want to serve him. He's everything. Amen. He's everything. So therefore, I'm free. I'm free to worship. I'm free to love. I'm free to obey the first commandment to love one another as he loved me. I'm free to forgive. I'm free to love. And there's no condemnation and there's no guilt because his sin is washed and wiped. And all my sins are forgotten. All your sins are forgotten and wiped out and you have no past. And I didn't have to do anything to earn it. All I had to do was, Father, forgive me and I thank you for forgiving me. And it's under the blood. Amen. Simple trust and faith. Simple trust and faith. No more sacrifices. Do you know fasting's good? I believe in fasting. I fast. 
but do you know fasting is good for me to keep my flesh under? But I can fast three days a week, and it doesn't impress God any more than someone who doesn't fast? I can't win merits with God. Everything is already perfected in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, fasting teaches me self-control. But God doesn't love me any more than he loves somebody who doesn't fast and weighs 450 pounds. There's nothing I can do to earn his love more than he already loves me because of Jesus. That's good news, church. That's good news. And you know what? That just makes me want to love him and serve him and obey him and follow him and put him first. Hallelujah. Amen. So I rest on grace and faith. Let's stand and let's pray. There's a lot more stuff here and just couldn't get into it. It's just, I think we said what needed to be said. I just want you to concentrate on it. Anytime you feel, well, you know, if I do that, maybe, may, maybe God it. Lord, if I do this, maybe you, if I do you a favor, maybe you do me a favor. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. You live your life right, you'll be blessed. Father, we come before you and we praise you for Lord, our salvation is built upon grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, that is not of works. We don't have any room to boast about who we are, what we've done, or our accomplishments. Lord, you created us. You sent your son to die for us, and you saved us. Lord, we pray that you break any forms of bondages in our city and in our area. Bondages that are built upon works. Bondages on doctrines and beliefs that are established by men, but not on you. Bondages that forbid, as the word of God says so clearly, forbid marrying, forbid eating certain meats, forbid this, forbid that. That's not what salvation's about. Salvation is not even about a lot of do's and don'ts. Salvation is about loving and serving and receiving you. It's about getting to know you. By putting our eyes upon you. Lord, we do want to know you. And Lord, it's our joy to serve you. We're not here out of obligation and duty. We're here out of joy. I sing to you because I love you. I worship you because I love you. I pray because I want to be with you. And I want to have communion with you. I raise my hands to you because I want to surrender to you. I want to use my voice to praise you and to worship you. Lord, I don't feel under obligation of anything except, Lord, my heart's joined to you to love you and to serve you with all my heart and my soul and my mind. Lord, I don't serve you even out of fear that something would happen if I don't. I serve you because you're my life. I thank you, Lord, for a church that is growing in, in a relationship with you. That, Lord, we are faithful, and, Lord, we, we give, and, Lord, we do. Not because we're out of fear and we're, we're trying to work our way to heaven. Lord, we just simply trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but trust and obey. Lord, thank you for bringing us depth in our heart and peace and joy out of what we do with you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. Thank, appreciate you being here tonight. Lord bless. Turn and look around. If you see somebody you don't know, tell them hello. 
Sunday morning, man, we're going to have a good time Sunday morning. Encourage anybody who's not going to church anywhere to come Sunday morning. We're going to celebrate Easter, the resurrection together. We love you. God bless you. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray with you. God bless you. Amen. And no church Sunday night. Sunday night's canceled. to see